This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the InfluenceAlliance.com, the business building community for coaches and consultants who want to make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. And I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says we need to rethink the rental market and make it work better for home, the homeowner as well as the tenant. Australia needs a rent revolution. And joining me on today's show is Ludwina Dordovic. Now, Ludwina, she is the CEO and founder of The Room Exchange, Australia's first verified house sharing platform. Now, Ludwina founded the company five years ago and she has just pivoted the company into an exciting new rental model. She's been an entrepreneur for 26 years and today she's going to be talking about the process she went through to take the company into their next phase. And also, she's going to talk about specifically when to know it's time to pivot, why growing a company is like raising a child, as well as the process of pivoting. So welcome to the show, Ludwina. Thank you, Anne-Marie. It's good to be having a chat with you again. It is. And I do know when you've been on the show before talking about the room exchange, but I love that you're coming back on the show and talking about business evolution and pivoting, because I'm sure that that is a word that has been on many businesses, many entrepreneurs, you know, languaging because of what's been happening in the world, things have changed. And I think now as entrepreneurs and business owners, the ability to be agile, to be able to shift with demands and the changes of what's happening in our spaces is so important. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think what's happened with COVID is just really heightened the, I guess, a lot of things that people have been thinking about for a while. Like, you know, look at working remotely for one, you know, like you and I have been saying this for years. Why would you go and take or waste all that time to drive in an office and have all of that cost? And now people are actually seeing the impact of um, how vital that can actually be to people's lives as well as their businesses. Yes. So let's talk about uh, when it is uh, time and when to recognise some of the things that are going on in the business, maybe the industry, on when it's time to pivot. Because I, I know that this is something that you went through. So love to, I mean, hindsight is a wonderful teacher, but what were some of the things that you've learned and we can now apply when it comes to possibly understanding and knowing maybe it's time to pivot? Yeah, look, I think there's um, many or multiple moments in the life cycle of a business when it would pivot. And pivot doesn't necessarily mean a complete change. Sometimes just a slight shift in the business model can be enough to take it into a a different direction. If you think about the analogy of of a plane, if it was 
if, if a flight was coming from Hawaii to Australia and they were just a quarter of a degree off, it just wouldn't land and end up in the, in the ocean. So it's like sometimes it doesn't have to be a major complete change for the company to pivot. So therefore, as you go along the growth cycle of your business, you would notice that there'd be either some, maybe some additions that you would add to your technology or additional layers to your service or your business. I guess in a way that's a kind of a pivot. Um, but COVID's actually really thrown a lot of businesses in the deep end. Um, there was an example of um, a Michelin restaurant that I heard recently where they would never have thought in a million years to do takeaway, but to keep the business alive through lockdowns. I'm from Victoria. Um, they did that and now they've actually realised that it's a valuable uh, layer to their actual business model, right? Mm -hmm. So th there are things that happen through um, challenging moments like COVID. When your back is against a wall, that's when innovation can happen because it's kind of like this, this place of, geez, I've got nowhere to go, and then it almost it creates this environment where you can go, well, what if or what's next, right? So... Anyone who's listening now, don't think that it has to be a complete change for it to work. It can actually just be slight. In our case, we have been recognising for the last sort of year, year and a half, maybe about six months before COVID, that um, we needed to sort of grow and change. As in your intro, you know, having a business is like raising a child. You know, when they're first born, you have this idea of what their your child's going to be like and then it becomes a toddler and then you shift and change as it does mm -hmm. as well. And so we we started having a lot of conversations with our users um, that were saying, look, um, our previous model, sorry to explain for people who are listening that don't know, it was you would provide a couple of hours of help each day around the house in exchange for food and accommodation. So that was a way to pay your rent. Mm. So instead of paying traditionally with cash, people would pay in kind, um, but it would still be, you know, an arrangement as though it would be like in a regular house share arrangement. What we realised is that not every household had that amount of help that they needed each week or that the value to the room for that person was in cash, not in help. So what we've done moving forward is that we'll have, well, we play what if, and it's like, well, could we combine the two? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes. So we're now we're calling it rental, rent offset. Same thing, but um, it's just a different way of presenting it, which then opens us up to a broader group of customers, yes. but also provides more flexibility to our households and our housemates for them to decide how it is that they actually want to um, utilise their asset, being their room, or the housemate actually having the choice to say, well, look, I'd be happy to offset some of my rent and help out a few hours each week to reduce my cost of living. So that's kind of, again, it's just a slight shift, but it actually opens us up to a broader market and also um, puts us in a position moving forward that is going to really suit more where households are heading in the future. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And it's interesting that you say, and I love the the way that you've kind of defined in your words what pivot is. And so often we think it's a complete shift. But as you said, in some instances, it's changing slightly. And that change can be prompted by an event. For instance, you know, COVID has caused a lot of businesses to have to rethink their business models. But it also sounds as if, you know, as part of the business growth, there should be part of your development team, if you will, that is running the scenario. And I've heard 
heard you say that before and I love it. What if? What if? Because that what if can turn into becoming an aspect of your business you may not have even thought of ever doing, but because you've played that game and you've rolled that out, you've seen that, that hey, there's actually a demand in that industry. Share a little bit about what happens if you're in an industry, because I know that you are very much in an industry that you were driving, you are championing a change in, a, that in an industry that was quite new, you know, the, the share economy, if you will. And I know a lot of um, the entrepreneurs are doing that. So, you know, rather than shifting to where the market, a huge market demand is, you're also shifting in an area where you need to educate the market that, hey, this is, is, is a solution that's being offered. And then all of a sudden they realise, man, that's amazing. We didn't even realise that we needed that. But now that you mention it, we would love to have that, um, you know, the rent and the, you said rent offset. What did you or and what do you recommend uh, businesses do if they are in a new, newish market and not many people know that this even exists? Is that something that you've uh, had to address? And, and what if so, what are some of the things that you recommend? Does that make sense? It does. It's interesting that you actually um, say that because people have been house sharing for years, many, many, many years, right? Like I'm, um, I'm 55 this week and um, before I was married, so I've been married 30 years, I was house sharing, flatmates, mm-hmm. right, house sharing, I don't know, six years or something. Yeah. So, and people still do. They just, the language around it is flatmates, essentially. So they may not even realize that they're doing something. So it's kind of bringing a whole kind of terminology and that are. Well, we've actually created a terminology, um, you know, the word house sharing is not a brand new term, but I guess in the, the way that we've actually using that word is a shift because the word flatmate actually brings up this kind of thought of, 20-something-year-old, first-time home leaver or university student, right? Now, let me just assume that you have a spare bedroom in your home. It may just be you and your partner or you might have a couple of teenage kids. I'm not sure of your family dynamic. But let's just say that you want to rent that room and make a few dollars out of it, right? I don't know that you would likely go to a typical flatmate platform to find that person. And you may also require some more security and confidence in the process of finding a person than typically what a young person might when they're looking for a flatmate, right? So what you opened with is that we're Australia's first verified house sharing platform. Every single one of our registered users has to be verified by digital ID by Australia Post. Everyone, households and housemates. So what that does first and foremost for you as a household, it's going to give you confidence knowing that, okay, so everyone at least that's on the platform is who they say they are. So we're not getting creepy people. There's no, um, it's an active live community, meaning that every profile is actually active. It's there because they've been verified. There's yeah. no fake profiles. So all of those things that might concern you as a um, mature household, if I could say, being that you have, I can see all your beautiful furniture, you've invested, you you own it I'm assuming you know there's a lot that you want to feel safe about there right so we've Mm -hmm. created an environment that's going to help us to tap into around 13 million spare bedrooms in Australia and a lot of them are in homes like yours that may not have thought to actually house share before Mm -hmm. so that's a main differentiator 
the idea in and of itself isn't new. It's just the way that we're setting it up is going to make people like yourself more confident about um, sharing your space because we also want you to feel like you're coming home to a friend, mm-hmm. not to a stranger. And that's the other feature of our platform is that our profiling system makes it really easy to match match you with the right person based on personality, values and lifestyle. Yes. Right? So these are the things. So the key thing is that we're a verified platform. It's easy to connect with people and you can choose how it is that you want to rent, right? Yeah. So it's very different. It's a, it's same, same, but different yeah. in that, um, you know, we'll, we still have a lot of people who are in that 20, 30-something age group who are wanting to, you know, house share with people of that same age, and we're definitely tapping into that market. But when you think about 13 million spare bedrooms, that's also existing housing stock. And where we're heading right now, post-COVID, we're about a third of Australians are renting. It's generation rent now, as I, I heard mm-hmm. yesterday. It was a great term. And what we're wanting to do in terms of when you use our, our hashtag rent revolution is looking at, well, house sharing is a viable way to live for both the household and the housemate. And if we can make it easier to create that connection, then it's going to solve whole lot of problems problems yeah yeah and i'm glad i asked that question because what i can uh, really see that your you and your business partners you know have really looked at well where are the gaps in the marketplace there's a need there we want to educate because we've got a solution and we and, and identify well what are some of the barriers and as you mentioned someone with a spare room may not necessarily want to or feel comfortable in advertising on flatmate however through a verified platform such as yourself and you've vetted everybody who's on there to make sure that there is that viability um, and you've created that solution. So what you've got to do is if you're pivoting, you have to do your homework, don't you? You really have to do your homework as far as positioning, where are the needs, because I'm sure once you start to share that message, people are going to, oh, I've never even realised that that was available. That's something yeah. We would would be interested in. So you're not starting a completely new market where you you've got a longer you know um, customer journey, if you will, before you get mm. someone from just knowing about you to hey, we need to talk because that's valuable. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because um, what we've realised is that we've had the verification in our system, we've had the profiling in our system. We just didn't realise how important those two components were more important than the rent offset idea right so it was just like well I want to do this but I need this this and this first and we already had them we just had them as kind of feature number three four and five as opposed to one and two right so when I say it it can just sometimes take a slight shift and you said about messaging it really is it's just well we're just changing the language I mean the technologies had to be done as well to to make the pivot work, and that's been a lot of work, but the at the end of the day, that's not what the customer's going to see. They're going to hear what the message is and hear, is this creating a yes in my mind? Is it making me feel more confident to go, yeah, I, I can go down this path? And, you know, and I think the flexibility in how it is that you want to live is really important right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you may just want to rent for, say, six months because that six months of rent is enough to get you over the COVID hump right now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah? yeah? Or somebody else may just want to be um, going, uh, may just need a little bit more money in their pocket to be able to get a lease on their own. So house sharing with someone like yourself for six months 
would suit them as opposed to signing a one-year lease. Or maybe that, you know, they want somewhere and feel like that they're part of a household and a family unit or something. You know, like there's a lot of different reasons why, why and how people want to live. And we know through COVID how lonely it's been, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I'm from Melbourne, you're from Sydney, so you're going through now, and I'm sorry that you are, but you're going through now what we've been pretty much living the last year. And, you know, if anything, what COVID has taught us, has taught us how what we thought was secure is no longer secure, right? Yeah, so absolutely. we need to have some flexibility and some options there, particularly in housing, to suit the needs of where people are at. You know, it's interesting. You said one of the things that um, you have inadvertently or have done now because you've recognised uh, the need is you, you've had to change the language. But what you have had, had to do or have had to do from a business point of view is to really up-level and, and change the, the technology. And I would imagine that that's been no small feat on, on you know, when you talk about technology, uh, a lot of work yes. has to go behind the scenes. Yeah. So if you're thinking about, you know, knowing or recognising, hey, this could be an idea that we want to start to uh, research more and so you get to that stage and then you go, I think we've really found something here. We need to take some action towards that right through to, hey, we're going to have to invest in our back-end technology. What was it that, and I'm asking this because people may recognise, yes, we want to, to make a change, but if there's going to be some real money behind some of those changes, you want to make sure that certain boxes have been ticked. So my question for you is what boxes needed to be ticked for you in your business that enabled you to go, yep, this investment and the change that we need to make for our back end, our technology is going to be worthwhile. What was that for you? That's a big question. Good one. And it's a big one. Um, I think the the answer to that is a culmination of um, some lessons that I've learned in the last uh, few years. Whatever changes you do make need to be part of the foundation of where you're heading, right? So how can I liken it? Be like building a house or doing a renovation on a house. You may have had a child and then you'd need an extra room, so you build an extra room. You could have in the back of your mind that kid's going to be a teenager one day. If we built the room like this and we could only need to do a slight modification down the road and then it's a bigger space to, to have a you know, maybe a separate living room for them. I don't know, I'm just pulling that out of my head. But yeah. but that's kind of how we, we look at the technology. It's like, well, this major change that we're doing right now, what can we build into that change so that it becomes modular, flexible, able to have things kind of plugged into it to help us add the additional layers that we want to down the road? So that's one. The other is, and this is a really important point to bring up for people especially right now because there's a lot more working from home happening, is data security. You know, when you're working in an office environment, I would imagine because I've never had a day job, so, I, you know, I imagine the shift between... You're and what you've heard. <laughs> the, the, the shift in going from having everything secure and safe within one environment and then trusting all of that to multiple external environments is going to bring some data security issues. So, you know, making sure that that's all zipped up is vital. Like I, I, I love our, our CTO has um, worked with, uh, you know, some government departments and um, that's something that he prides himself in that is that we're zipped up. 
Um, so that's also, and then making sure that the changes that you're making, um, that there's not a ripple effect that then is going to affect something else and make that not work, if that makes sense. So for, for those who are listening, there's a huge difference between having a website that's an informational site that you might just, the only activity that happens on it is a blog that you might add to it once a week or a, um, an email sign-up form, okay? We're a platform. So what you see when you go to our website is just the information part. There's an entire app that is um, operating behind it and that's mm -hmm. the technology we're talking about. So our business is a tech-based business, um, which means our, our product is our technology. So making one change can have a massive ripple effect. So it's not just about you know, my, my CTO and I have constant, you know, interesting conversations. I say, oh, I want to do this. And he'll go, okay, how badly do you want to do that? How much is that also, got, you know, because he's got a commercial mind as well, which is great. And I would say that seven out of ten things that I'd like to do don't get done because of the questions that he asks back. Yes. It's like if we, if we make this change, it will have an impact on A, B and C. The amount of work to take to do it will cost A and then what's a commercial value for you in the end. So there's a lot of decisions that need to go into the process of it. And you're right, it hasn't been a quick uh, change. Mm. It's been quite a lot of time. Um, but again, that's the gift that COVID has given us is the gift of time. So we've used that really well. I hope that was helpful. It's, I'm trying Brilliant. to... No, yeah, it, does because it is. It's true. I mean, and and I love the way that you've you've verified that you are a tech based company because your company is very much driven on the technology that allows you know both the the renters and the rent tours. You know, you know what I mean. The people at home. Yeah. The room and the yeah. people who wanting the room to be able to collaborate, connect, and, and so forth. Because when it comes to business, and and I'm going to ask you this: How important? Because you're a real visionary, and and I know that you're a very you're very much a change maker, a visionary, a champion in that particular area. Who've got a lot of different visions. How important has it been for you to have someone on your team that will say, "Okay, let's take your idea and let's chunk it down." It's important, isn't it? Because otherwise you could have gone off and created all these wonderful things that maybe you have found down the track that, hang on, wrong wrong sequence or maybe that's not the most pressing time. So as an entrepreneur who is thinking and business who's thinking about pivoting, have someone on your team that you can brainstorm these ideas. Has that been important for you and do you recommend others have people yes. like yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah. And that comes down to my leadership team and my advisors. Um, I am an ideas person. It's interesting that you say that because I've had to tame that. One of the ways I've been able to tame that is through my art. So I started painting five years ago and that sort of that creative part of me gets yeah. met. It's released in your yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is actually behind this screen here at the oh, moment. It's like, <laughs> all my, yeah, all my art's behind there. I have kind of like, I use Trello for management. So I have a board in there that's just for my ideas. Yeah. Um, and then I have a list in my development board that they call backlog, that it's my wish list. Mm -hmm. And every month we go through that and sort of see what we can add to it for change and things like that. Um, so my... My CTO, Ryan, I have conversations with him that are tech-based. When it comes to the, um, the 
where I'm heading as the CEO, I have a couple of advisors that I run stuff through. And then my um, VC fund's also really helpful in helping me make uh, decisions around that because obviously they um, support in a very significant way. So there are different people that I go to. And then I have a, I actually have a, um, a coach who I have a conversation with maybe, I don't know, two or three times a year. It's not, uh, you know, not for generally it's at a time where I know I'm having to make some very difficult um, and very high level decisions. Mm. Um, And she helps me to work through that part of my thinking because she can meet me there. Um, And so, and then I just have friends that I just dump and share with who are my close confidants who you know are on the level of me then being able to personally just be myself mm-hmm. without being concerned about how that might be perceived so I think there's you know just in life the same mm-hmm. you have very different friends and um, associates and relations that you relate with in a particular way because they meet that need for you mm-hmm. it's the same thing business but I, you know I say this a lot to um uh, to women who I speak to, I do a five o'clock walk and anyone who's listening, whenever I, um, if you want to book, just have a chat with me, mm. whoever gets me at five o'clock can just, you know, they can just have that time with me and I sort of talk through a lot of this stuff because women in particular um, don't tend to have sort of the availability to have conversations with other females who have gone through this sort of level of uh, business to mm. have those conversations with. And, uh, and I think that... Um, it's important to surround. Here's a, here's a point. Sorry, here's a thought. So I often say to people, when you're bringing advisors on, bring advisors or mentors or coaches, whatever the language is, who are not so far removed from where you are that they can't relate to where you are, but far enough removed so that they've felt the pain, had the problems, solved them themselves and had that experience, right? So mm-hmm. you don't want to be taking advice from people who haven't gone through what you have. I remember years ago we had, um, we just did a subdivision and, you know, we sort of increased our um, pro- property uh, portfolio at the time and went to our bank. They brought a, sent an advisor over to talk to us and we started having conversation on how we can better utilise our um, the equity in them. And then as he was talking, I was just saying, can you just let me know what's your property portfolio like? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, what do you have? And he said, oh, I haven't bought a house yet. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't continue this conversation with you. Yeah. Do you understand? It's yeah. it's kind of like, mm. you know, you want to be able to get advice from people who know how you feel, who understand the processes, the challenge, and can also have some foresight for you and they go, okay, well, if you go down this path and this could happen. So I had something in place to, to see that. I hope that was helpful. It's I, I cannot speak strongly enough about having the right people around you. Oh, it's so important. Yeah. Because, you know, as you were sharing that, I mean, what uh, what I can really see is an incredible lesson and, and it kind of mirrors into some of the people that I like to have around me. I mean, there's different people for different conversations. You have some mm. that you know are really skilled in that particular area and going to inform you. There's others that you might like to do that brainstorming with. But what's really important in that is that the conversation and just being able to run through and get their feedback helps you even shift and pivot a little bit on the Mm. initial pivot that you had because you've enhanced your thinking and understanding. And, you know, each time we have those conversations, we get a little bit clearer. And sometimes that clarity may be, 
no, that's not actually a good idea. It doesn't fit if we looked and, you know, we kind of project that. And that's valuable in that rather than actually taking action and getting halfway down that path and then realising actually this is not really fitting in with the long-term vision and mm. uh, that can get exhausting, can't it, as business owners <laughs> going down lots of different paths and you realise, no, that's not the one um, for me. So, well, look, we've just scratched the surface, but it's been such a valuable, you know, I, I guess, conversation to get a snapshot into some of the things that you've had to go through to pivot your business and, and, and really the story and the journey that you just shared really hones in beautifully and speaks beautifully into, you know, what you said that you wanted to share a little bit more. Your company is like raising a child, the baby versus the toddler versus the young, you know, 10-year-old uh, is quite different and, you know, how that child has evolved, how that business has evolved will very much be directed by some of the things that you've came up. I and mean, I'm sure uh, businesses who are needing to revisit their business models because of what's happening in the world today, recognising they're not alone. Sometimes as businesses, we think we're alone, don't we? Mm. Like we're the only business that's going through this, but fact. <laughs> It's not. It may be a different yeah. industry that we're in, um, different, you know, client base, but the process and, and you know, the challenges um, that we go through are quite similar. So uh, how can people find out more about the Room Exchange? What's the best way and connect with you, Ludwina? What's yeah. Well, obviously um, my name's on the screen, so just find me on social media, LinkedIn. Love to connect with you there, but please send me a message. I'd like to know who you are. Um, the Room Exchange with a letter X, theroomexchange.com. Um, we've got kind of a bit of a holding page on our home uh, page at the moment because the tech sort of taking just slightly a few more weeks longer than we expected before this interview. So when you go there, um, there's still a bit of the old information, but there's also some of the new there. So just get yourself registered there. And when we actually do launch the new model in a couple of weeks, um, you'll be notified. And also on Facebook, so at The Room Exchange on Facebook or Instagram, um, we're pretty easy to find everywhere, but but it, look, always happy to have a conversation. You know, as I said, if you want to catch me on my five o'clock walk, you know, whoever gets me gets me, and <laughs> love to um, contribute, you know, in any way that I can, um, just as kind of pay it forward. So. But love these conversations with you, Anne-Marie. It's always great to oh, meet you by somebody. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of months or maybe even sometimes once a year or something. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Because we are always learning, we're always growing, we're always evolving and uh, being able to do that. And knowing that there are others that just understand you. I, I totally relate to that. You know, where you've got people, there's no judgment, there's no nothing like that at all, but rather just someone that you know that you can trust. You mm. can kind of go in there, have a conversation, well, all right, I'll speak to you in a year's time kind yeah. of thing. And, um, Do you know what? I just want to leave, I just had a thought I just want to leave everyone with. One of the, the, the key things, if I can just leave you with, is don't be afraid to ask people for help. And you don't always have to have money to pay someone. You can just say, you know, just ask them for their advice on something, ask them for help, and then just offer something that you can in return. Um, you know, you may not always have that resource there, but generally I believe the people are happy to help. Don't be unreasonable in what you're asking for, but um, sometimes it can just be a quick question. Hey, can I just have five minutes of your time just um, mm -hmm. and happy to help out in any way I can? You can create a graphic for them or just do something, share the social media posts, write a LinkedIn recommendation. There's a bunch of different things that you can do that make up for, you know, borrowing five, 10, 15 minutes of someone's time. So, well, you know, right. don't, don't abuse it. But yeah. Just, yeah, but um, yeah. don't be afraid to ask for help. Ask people for help all the time. 
but yeah. I also offer help all the time. Yeah, so I have no problem. I know for yeah. you, you've got an expansive network too, and you're very much uh, very happy. I know to to share resources and and connect people. And I think that's one of the things that often people hesitate to do because they don't want to. Uh, what can I give in return? However, you know, some knowledge that you have may be invaluable for someone or a connection. It may have taken them years to get in front of someone, yet through you know the the relationship that you've built with someone and the recommendation um, can certainly open doors that way too. But you can ask, you know, you, yeah. you certainly can ask. So I love that you've uh, shared that tip. So thanks once again and, and sharing your insights. I know they're always valuable. Yeah, it's and my pleasure. To share that with others today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Thanks, Ludwina. Before we go, I always have a little tip that I share too. You don't have to stay on the line, but um, I always like to share just one little tip before we finish. But thank you for uh, coming on the show and having been valuable. Bye-bye, everyone. So before I go, just one more tip on how to stand out, be heard and influence. Now, you've heard me share before how as a multi-passionate individual who loves learning, I needed to be mindful not to let my diverse interests water down my message because focusing on too many things without a clear and compelling outcome, which spoke to my ideal client, meant that my message got lost in the noise of all of the things I was talking about. And it reminded me of a situation that happened years ago when I had my very first co-hosted podcast, my co-host and I started using social media as part of a way of really amplifying and getting our message out in a much bigger way. And what ended up happening was many of my colleagues were interested and intrigued. How are you using these social media tools? Can you share more? I was happy to. But inadvertently, by going to these networking meetings, speaking about social media, what I ended up doing was bordering down my own message of a personal brand strategist. People started to see me more that social media person. And it wasn't uh, a lesson that I learned till I was sitting across from one of my colleagues. We were part of a committee for a networking group. And she said to me, I've hired a personal brand strategist because I want to up-level my brand. And when she saw me look at her quite strangely, she said, oh, I'm sorry, you are a personal branding strategist too. Totally forgot. Um, I'm sorry. And it was then that I realized I'd watered down my message. It was a huge wake-up call. So I want to just leave you with this little insight and and just kind of this question, what are you doing when it comes to your message? Are you building that reputation as that go-to person for that one core offering? Are you an authority, a trusted authority in your industry? Or like me many years ago, are you watering down your message? If you are and you need help, all you need to do is send an email to help at annemariecross.com and we'll set up a time to chat. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.TheInfluenceAlliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's TheInfluenceAlliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.